0: This is Bloomberg Business Week with Carol Masser and Jason Kelly on Bloomberg Radio.
1: As TechCrunch reported last month, our next guest, Lo Tony, has some ideas about how to really bring venture capital into the 21st century. That story caught our attention. He is a was excuse me a partner at Comcast Ventures and G V, which is of course formerly Google Ventures. And he now is founding managing partner of his own firm Plexo Capital. And he joins us on the phone in Los Angeles. Lo, it is nice to have you here with Jason and myself. Welcome to Bloomberg Business Week.
0: Well thank you so much for having me. It's an honor to be featured.
1: Well, you know, we have been talking a lot about the investment world, obviously the impact of the virus, but we've also been talking a lot about the need for, you know, diversity and inclusion within the investment community. And we've done a lot of stories about what's been going on in Silicon Valley. First up, what's been your experience working within Silicon Valley? Because it tends to be still a lot of white men making decisions.
0: That's true. I think, It's commonplace for someone like myself, black male. I grew up in Oakland, California, went to a historically black college in Hampton, came back to go to Cal, and I got used to being the only black person in the room. It's just common. So I think that's a common experience that many of us have. But I've been increasingly hopeful about the changing complexity that I've seen in some of the generations that are coming up behind me. And I believe that we're at a point where we've reached an inflection point where we've been able to shine a light and visibility. And I'm I'm pragmatically optimistic about the, the prospect moving forward.
2: And so there are a number of aspects, as you know better than we do, Lo, in terms of the investing landscape, the venture capital landscape, sort of where the money comes from, who invests it, and then where it goes. I know you've been working on all aspects of that. I do wonder if you could tell us a little bit more about what you're doing around the general partner level because I think you are rightly very focused on that piece of of making the investors not exactly not just what Carol described which is, you know, a bunch of rich white dudes making decisions about where the money goes.
0: Yeah, it's interesting. When I was a partner at Google Ventures, GV one of the things we wanted to do was to get access to more deal flow. So we had this really interesting thesis that when we started to look at some of the smaller, earlier firms that were investing at that initial check level, we saw much more diversity than at the larger firms. Mm. And so we came up with this thesis that, wow, you know, the the indirect path that many black uh, venture capitalists have, like myself, produces really interesting networks and provides a different lens to be able to evaluate opportunities and entrepreneurs that might not have the same understanding traditionally on Sand Hill Road. And so we decided to make investments into these venture funds to get access to their deal flow. And I took that one step further and created Plexo Capital and expanded to not only black GPs, but other GPs of color and and female GPs. And really, it was an alpha strategy, right, to identify inefficiencies and information and identify opportunities that others were missing. And what I also noticed was that, wow, you know, actually, this has a much broader implication to the to the vertical ecosystems for black, for black entrepreneurs, for people of color that are entrepreneurs and female entrepreneurs, which is If we can get capital into the hands of a diverse set of investors, the data tells us that their portfolios end up being diverse. Right. Well, If they've got diverse portfolios, those diverse founders are going to hire diverse teams. And if there's a successful exit that creates wealth generation for those employees, well, lo and behold, you have a diverse set of execs that are going to write angel checks likely to diverse entrepreneurs. They'll have the financial stability and comfort maybe to take that risk and start their own company. Or maybe some of them will even become venture capitalists themselves. But more importantly, it starts a wealth creation pattern. And then wealth is also transferred back successfully to those initial investors. And if they were diverse, they go down the wealth creation path. And then capital is returned to the original limited partners or the investors into those venture funds. And once those limited partners see that positive signal of dollars coming back, they say, wow, this is working. Let's deploy more capital. And so that creates this flywheel within that vertical ecosystem. I mean, it's not dissimilar to how we see geographic ecosystems develop outside of Silicon Valley in places like Seattle, New York and Austin. But in this case, it's vertical around black entrepreneurs, female entrepreneurs, or other people of color. So I, I feel like our, our model, even though at the outset the purpose was to deliver alpha and increase yeah. returns, it has this additional benefit of being able to help to accelerate these ecosystems on a vertical basis.
1: We're going to talk more about that. And I love this idea of wealth creation because, you know, we talk about this being ultimately a financial and, you know, poverty you know, issue in terms of bringing more blacks and minorities kind of into the existing structure. We're going to continue talking with Low Tony. Uh, he is the founding managing partner at Plexo Capital. Low Tony is with us. He is founding managing partner at Plexo Capital. He joins us on the phone in LA.
2: It's so a lo- good sign, Low, by the way, when we're fighting <laughs> over a guest. So that's how you know we're excited and not just like sitting back and being like, you go, you go, I don't care. Yeah, go. Yeah, yeah.
1: So, Lo, what's interesting is you just described kind of this strategy for identifying opportunities, creating wealth, wealth creation, and you talk about creating this flywheel. So, what are the signs that it has really worked in kind of what you envisioned?
0: Yeah, the key signs are, without question, the the no- increasing the dollars that go into. The black entrepreneurs, entrepreneurs of color, female entrepreneurs, you know, the numbers are so low that, you know, it's really not hard to to increase them. But Mm. we are seeing promising signs. You know, we're seeing more firms led by black GPs, people of color and women at these venture capital funds. And we're seeing more dollars go into the companies that are diverse led. Ultimately, the barometer, the yardstick, the best way to measure is when we start to see companies that are getting acquired or that are going public. I mean, the the stepping stones are, you know, get the initial investment, get some follow-on investment, companies start to grow in scale, hire more employees, increase their revenues. But, you know, ultimately what we need to see are companies achieving liquidity via the public markets or by a large-scale M&A transaction.
2: Well, and Lo, it was interesting. I was thinking about, as you were describing that flywheel in the early part of our conversation, I mean, that's the PayPal mafia model, right? I mean, that's exactly sort of what gave rise to this whole network of companies and angel investors that has been right. at the center of basically the last 10 to 15 years of Silicon Valley, right?
0: Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, again, I like using the relationship or the analogy to a geographical ecosystem and that's absolutely right you know we believe that there are network effects inherent in deploying these types of strategies and i think the paypal mafia is without question one of the classic case studies of you know what happens when a group of, of super uh, intelligent and driven people came together and then the relationships that spawned over time i mean you just see a lot of companies that came from that dna
2: Right. So uh, just to follow on that briefly, Lo. I mean, one of the things that we know about Silicon Valley, and I was just reading a long, I believe it was on Medium post about this is, you know, serendipity has been at the heart of this, you know, these sort of like inadvertent collisions that happen either at a company or a neighborhood or whatever it is in, in what's a relatively small geographical area there in Silicon Valley. In this remote world, how do you ensure that all the right people are getting together?
0: Great question. And I think we need to be more intentional. You know, the good news is that there is no one geography that has a monopoly on the best ideas. Yeah. And we're seeing ecosystems develop in other regions, which is a good thing. I think we have become more comfortable within Silicon Valley with distributed teams. And there are many companies that have a portion or all of their team distributed. So I think now everyone else is really kind of catching up. And for a while, my mentor, Ken Coleman, used to always tell me, if you want to be an actor, go to L.A. If you want to be an entrepreneur in tech, you go to Silicon Valley. And the good news is, as we begin to see more of the building blocks in place regionally, whether it be research-driven institutions producing STEM graduates, whether it be kind of a few existing companies that have done well, where there's a well-trained workforce available to go and work for an entrepreneur at a startup, um, and the availability of capital. So I think we're starting to see more of those building blocks in place. And the good news is when you look at some of these ecosystems like Atlanta for example, or even New York, right, they are they are, you know, more diverse by the numbers when you look at ethnicity than yeah. in, in Silicon Valley. So I'm I'm very encouraged by the fact that, you know, we're getting to a point where good companies with great entrepreneurs and great teams can happen outside of Silicon Valley.
1: You talk about pipeline, you talk about building blocks, but so much of this low has to start really kind of at the very beginning in terms of where kids are born and getting great educations and kind of starting early on on a path that enables them to get into your pipeline eventually to maybe think about starting a company to be able to make a pitch for money. How do we improve that?
0: Yeah, the thing that I'm also really passionate about are the historically black colleges like Hampton University, Mm -hmm. because even though they're only 3% of the educational institutions in the U.S., they make up about 10 to 15% of all of the bachelor's degrees earned by by black students. More importantly, 25% of all the black STEM holders um, receive them from an HBCU. Um, HBCU grads make up 21% of, of MBAs, um, 33% of, of PhD holders with STEM degrees. And then you see that translating into the professional ranks as well. You know, 50% of lawyers, 80% of judges have an HBCU degree who are black. Um, on the VC side, um, this is really interesting, um, 26% of black venture capitalists went to an HBCU. So even though by numbers, absolute, the number of HBCUs are small, and even the number of or percentage of black graduates, you know, 10 to 15 percent, that's not huge. But what ends up happening is those recipients of HBCU degrees end up becoming leaders at the graduate level and in the professional world. So I'm a big proponent of making sure that we can increase the endowments of the HBCU so that they can keep producing um, great leaders.
2: And so, how do you extend that mode of thinking to your colleagues across the venture capital landscape? Is it just sort of showing that talent pool and maybe sort of revealing it in a more meaningful way?
0: Yeah, you know, there's a lot of great initiatives happening. So, there's been a great number of my colleagues from the venture capital world and the larger funds that have reached out trying to understand how they can improve the diversity of their teams. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that we're definitely promoting is the availability of internships and even scholarships geared towards HBCU grads to be able to enter the world of technology. So either working for a portfolio company of a venture capital firm or actually even going and working at the venture capital firm itself. So the good news is, and I'm open if anyone wants to send me any recommendations around, hey, we want to host a, a student on an internship i mean we're trying to organize as many of those as possible right. working with great organizations like hbu um hbcu VC, for example and uh, and others so you know that's that's how we're thinking about this now look there's great black talent everywhere but you know i went to a historically black college so right. kind of that's where my focus is and yeah I'm absolutely more More than happy for others that went to, that are black, that want to do the same thing at, you know, their schools, whether it be the Cows or the Stanfords or the Harbors of the world, I encourage them to do the same thing.
1: Well, so great to catch up with you, and I hope we can, uh, in a few weeks or so, check back again. Um, just great to get your perspective. Low Tony, he's the founding managing partner at Plexo Capital, joining us on the phone in Los Angeles. All right, for those of you listening in New York and San Francisco, watching on YouTube, Bloomberg Business Week continues. If you're listening on Bloomberg 991 in D.C., send on with Kevin Cirilli he is next. You'll hear more of uh, his interview with Stacey Abrams. But what a great conversation. And yeah. this is somebody who's actually... Doing it, right? We talk about being deliberate, taking actions. Motoni is doing it.